and <laughs> oh wait, okay, Jesus, you're going to bring the people that are supposed to hear this message. This is very specific. And so I felt like God was literally going to bring people that this is like a breakthrough for some people. So I want to go to Romans 6 really quick, and I'm going to just read what I was reading that smacked me. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have experienced what it is when all of a sudden scripture becomes revelation. I need my water. I'm sorry. I'm totally. Where was I sitting? Sorry. Yeah, I think it was at one of those seats. Okay. Um, when you're reading, like, scripture and it just kind of hits your mind, but it doesn't hit the inside... And a lot of us get stuck in legalism where we just feel that we're supposed to go and read a certain amount of scripture every day. And that's what we do to have our time with Jesus. But too many times what happens is that that scripture is not touching and cutting in the soul and unveiling, creating revelation. Meaning where the spirit of God aligns with your soul and your mind. And so your will aligns with his will and his voice. And so too many times I like... You know, you just read it out of feeling like you need to read something. And especially if you're somebody who does a lot of ministry, then you for sure feel like you got to be in the Word. One thing that I've learned is if I'm not getting anything, I'm going to put it down because I want to get something. There are very actually rare times that I will go to Scripture and it will, like, pound me, meaning there is instant revelation, not just head knowledge to what I just read. Um, because I could get into studying things for days if I'm like working on a curriculum or something. And there's a difference between knowing scripture and when it comes alive in you. And from my experience, when scripture came alive in me, uh, came through a crushing. Meaning like I went through something really bad and all of a sudden a text looked different to me. So like, for instance, and so many people use 2 Corinthians like 5.17. And when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. How many times have you heard that, like, spoken or preached over people? And, like, do you ever go, I'm not a new creation? <laughs> do you ever feel like you're not a new creation? Can I just tell you, like, I was a big drug addict when I, and I loved Jesus. And I was a druggie. Like, I fell back into drugs after I gave my life to God. And yet I was going into church, having been up all night binging the night before, getting up to try to feel better about myself, going into church. And yet, nothing in my life was actually transforming and changing. But I knew something about God. I had a relationship with him to a certain degree. We had a lot of Christians in a complacent relationship with Jesus. You know him to a certain degree. Why we don't come of new creation? Why don't we come alive into the things where, man, this scripture should be power. Like, scripture should be alive in your life. You're living out of what the apostles lived out of, what Paul lived out of, what the disciples lived out of, what did Jesus live out of. But we hear it taught, yet we don't see any power in our lives. I saw a lot of drugs. Drugs have power. Sin has power. Other things have power. Mindsets have power. Yet where the spirit of God doesn't have power, what is, what's happening to us? What is lacking? So I have, a, I have a, an opinion and a, a theory. I see people with very sheltered lives, and this is just my opinion. Some people, this would rub them the wrong way. I find that if your life is very sheltered and just working just okay, self-successful, things have gone okay, you didn't have much crap hit the fan in your life in childhood, that when you get older and something turns upside down, you absolutely will not know how to handle it because where you've lived has been in a relationship with God that just works how you want it to work. Because nothing took you to desperation. Because what comes out of when you experience the fullness of Christ and like something becomes revelation, it comes out of desperation. When you go in desperation to Jesus. 
And so when I was like reading this, I like, man, I've used these texts all the time, especially with doing like deliverance ministry, um, about understanding death to life, suffering, bringing life, and the fullness of life. For some reason, man, this text hit me in a whole nother um, way on Friday. So I'm just going to go to it real quick. Let's see what Jesus wants to do in it. Because I literally, like, had no, I just know this text is what I'm supposed to talk about. I got no outline, got no points. Jesus has points somewhere. Okay, I'm going to go to verse 5. I'm in the NLT. I'm starting at verse, verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Okay, so a lot of people take the baptism like an immersion, baptismal, like, well, getting baptized, but I'm talking about water immersion baptism. That... I mean, because he is, back then, that's what represented that you died with Jesus, you came alive. Now, a lot of converts who come into the church and you will get baptized as representing this new life. Now, here's the problem. That's supposed to actually become real in your life. Meaning, there is a death to self that comes in the life of Jesus. And I think a lot of times as we get wrapped up in the word sin, so you immediately think, oh, I'm bound by something that is such an outward sin, such an obvious type of sin, whether it's what I was talking about, drug addiction, whether it's pornography, whether it's somebody who's just doing this. I just want to talk about the, like, an example, fear, fearing people. Now, let me explain how sin can be very sneaky. We don't understand the idolatry of the heart. So fear of man, for example. I went through an extreme quickening in this last year of getting crushed fearing what people thought about me, especially doing like a public ministry. Now, how does that become an idolatry? Well, think about what it, why do you fear what people's opinions are? Why do we make decisions in our life to be approved by a person? Just as a female, being approved by a man, getting attention on social media, getting approved in how we look and how we live our life. A man getting approved at your job, getting approved at females looking at you, getting bulked up in the gym, like whatever it is that we do to gain what would be, in the natural, a sense of approval from uh, other people, from ourselves, whatever. It's, it's a growing of um, building value within ourselves, right? So God was like showing me, stripping that from me. What, what, how much I cared about what people thought about me. Now, how this goes to idolatry, and this is something I didn't even realize until so I was like reading this text, how actually this was a sin in my life, and this is where we get really tripped up on and we don't understand, that sometimes we take what would be in scripture as discipline, or sin is so, and we take judgment on it, that is actually, there's so much beauty and power in the understanding of the life that comes out of death. So I went into a season where I was literally dying to any type of thing that would have power in my life. Now, um, Dying to anything that has power in your life sucks. Like the worst thing you can imagine. Think of any single trigger you have in your life. Anything that bothers you, uh, pokes you, pokes your little giant. And sometimes people don't get poked until something big happens and then you realize you got a bunch of little giants in your closet. And then all of a sudden they come out and who does this? This person triggers that. Your job triggers that. This triggers that. All of a sudden all 
these giants, usually what I find wrapped up in fear. And so when God was like showing me the fear of man, well, here I'm going to have your, your head whip publicly on stage at your church. You're going to look like a fool. People are going to think of demons on you. The, the revelation and the wisdom of God in that. Do you know what that broke off of me? I had that experience happen where the power of God hit me. That happened to my head on my church where that stuff was not acceptable. And I was like, I had to press into, God, if this is you, this is something about you I don't understand. He kept saying, this is beauty. This is joy. Do you know how many tears like I cried walking through a season of two years of pure rejection in my life? Yet the whole time God's saying, I'm weeding something out of you. I'm weeding something that can't sustain in the natural because it was too weak. That foundation was weak, and it came through trauma. I'm teaching you how to reface every giant that got in your life from childhood, pull it out of you, and walk through it with me. Now, here's the thing. Every single experience a person can have in their life, how you experience the giant that produces life is walking through it with him. What happened was that in childhood, when my mom committed suicide, then my sister dies, then I get stalked by a guy for five years, I wasn't walking through it with him. So what happened? It produced tons and tons of an army of giants of insecurity on the inside of me so that when I get older and I'm stepping into things that are God's will, all of a sudden, all these little triggers get poked and poked and poked and poked and poked. God said, it's the beauty, it's the wisdom of me of bringing life out of death. But when the mind switches in the church that suffering produces life, oh, the power. And people get so, like, knotted up when there's preachings on suffering because they want to hear the better blessing prosperity. I'm sorry, the suffering is the blessing. Because the power that came in my life from everything getting poked at, every little area to, like, expose where I held value, where I place value. Now, where does this go? It's idolatry. It's an idolatry of the heart above the one who purchased you and created you, shed his blood for you. When we place a value above his value that is on your life, can't be moved, can't be changed, no one can take it, no one can remove it. When we place another value, oh, we all do it, we all do it, we all have it. Every single person has it hidden in any area of their life, a twist of a value, the value system of themselves. It's an idolatry of the heart. And what it does, it places, it rises itself about, above the knowledge of Christ. And when you have that side of you risen up, what is it? It's sin. It's just that. It's just that the life that God wants to bring out of us is like exposing the giants of the heart that take place in, in these areas. So going back to that scripture, anytime I had like read a scripture like this, always it would be like, eh. Like, I get it, Jesus. Like, we're not supposed to sin, right? But we all struggle with it. We all have it. But yet this text is telling us that we don't have it. And sometimes, here's what I, I feel like gets a little twisted, is that we either preach too much that we're, we're all power in the spirit, and we got all this, this, and this, and we don't recognize, no, you have this over here, or we're all sin conscious, conscious and, and focused on the sin nature in the person. And I'm like, so God, how is it that you're saying that this is who you are? This is who you are. You have been raised to life. All of the abilities of sin are now dead in you. Then Jesus, why is, what is there that is a sin nature in me? How about just your value system of who God is in your life? Because how many of us in the church have really been is willing to be in a reckoning for him? 
Like, have your life just be wrecked for Jesus. Like, I will give up everything. I don't need my life defined by marriage, by children, by success, by work, by what I do, how I'm accepted, how I'm like, liked, how much money I get. How much is willing to literally give up everything in that reckoning where there is no nature in you that is not alive? Like, what is it to have that much life where this life no longer matters to where it can be any type of idolatry in the heart within you? So, all right. Um, this is why I wanted to preach this at Brett. So I was like, Brett understands where I'm going with living in death. Coming out, here's where people, this will touch certain people that this is for, that you have experienced a crushing in your life. Like, you have experienced a death. You've experienced where life is just, you go, God, where are you? This doesn't make sense. Like, when is it when you're in that place where everything has turned upside down? For some reason, Jesus, like, everybody who's desperate likes to come to my ministry. I'm like, when are, like, people who are not desperate, like, it's like God's, like, desperation leads to needing a Savior. I will always preach that. We need desperation. I need to always be desperate. I've had where my life's good, I'm still desperate. Why? Because I know death. I know tragedy. I know hell. And so I got to a space where I was like, even when stuff's working, even when it's okay, and rarely does all my stuff ever work in my life, but I always got to push back in something in my life, always. But honestly, that's the power. That's the power. Like, I know that that's where God keeps refining in my life is to keep that there's just one giant keeps me on my toes, keeps me aware of who's the Savior. We can't be afraid of the things that push us back in our life. They are produced. They are to produce life and power when you pursue with your heart everything about him. And I got to tell you, there are times that your life will take you to such a darkness and such a desperation. It takes everything in you to choose God. Everything in you. And I know it. And I even saw a couple people this past couple years that literally had to be removed out of my life because I knew the direction in their heart shifted because of the, like, the sabotage and the crushings that were happening. Meaning, following God wholeheartedly. Like, what does it mean? What does it mean to fully walk with Jesus wholeheartedly. I mean, look at the Israelites. How many times it talks about this king followed him wholeheartedly. Caleb followed him wholeheartedly. He it's very specific. God identifies in the Old Testament who followed him wholeheartedly and then who didn't. What happened to the ones that didn't? Idolatry took over. Idolatry took down Israel. That's what happened. It's still so exactly the giants that we have today. That's where it comes from. It comes from the heart's focus the heart's direction. So I started getting something like, I would say it was two weeks ago. And I, sometimes I'll get like kind of a thought, revelation on some of the crap I go through. And I was like, man, how do I, I feel like I'm like getting where you have everything that would be a giant, an enemy, a trigger, death, like darkness, anything that would be something that just isn't breathing life and power in your life. And what does it mean to actually come head to head with it so that you master it? Meaning you literally take hold of anything that could have power in your mind and in your soul. You walk through it and all of a sudden it flips to power in your life where rejection, where pain and loss no longer have power on you. 
They don't have power over you. I honestly would, I would have to say, I don't think I could fully believe that that could be full truth and revelation until this time in my life. And when I look at this scripture, the revelation of what Paul is talking about finally started to hit me. I prayed, I started praying like three years ago for that I would have the revelation of Paul. Why? Because I had a lot of suffering in my life and I wanted to know what it meant to be in prison and tell people to rejoice. I wanted to understand what it meant to face so much tragedy yet carry so much power. I wanted to have that, that was so much more to me than ever having a, a big house with good stuff. I'm like, I need that power. I want that. So when I started praying that, everything turned upside down in me. And God started pulling out anything that could produce the opposite of life in me. Anything that could keep me down from not knowing my value in him. So it goes on. He says, um, where was I? Was I at 10? When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So that you must all con also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive through Christ. Now, there's, I think this is, in this text, there's another translation, I think, in that verse. That death has no mastery over you. Sin has no power over you. Like, this actually started to make complete full sense to me when it comes to actually death. Like, I lost my sister and my mom. I think that if I had experienced that now in my life, like, I would have a way to walk through it with a power that I couldn't tap into then. Anything that you endured in your life, no matter what it is, no matter what experience it is, there is a promise of power within it. Because when you face it and endure it, it releases an overcoming of it to where it doesn't ever carry power again. Meaning when you walk into that circumstance, that experience again, it can't carry power. Now, what do you have an example of to where you'd be like, no, this carries power? Somebody um, who gets in a, a bad relationship, bad marriage, gets left by a parent, um, experiences abandonment, rejection. You see those people carried into adulthood, need to get counseling, trigger into childhood. When um, a thing happens in the marriage or happens in a relationship that triggers the fear of rejection, triggers the abandonment, they carry a spirit attached to that, that's where inner healing deliverance has to come. Now here's what I want to say to that. In all those experiences that anybody ever goes through and loss, rejection, anything like that, when walks through in this space, this is the promise of power that comes from it. There's a removal of the sin attached to the power of that giant. Meaning there's an area where you flip into power over it. Meaning I had to go, so rejection, fear of rejection, fear of man, was so like stabbed deep into me because of abandonment, then being abused, being stalked. So that like giant had literally come into a place to creating an idolatry of meaning value from what people thought. Oh my gosh, do you know how controlling I used to be on, on ministry stuff? First of all, I charged so I could control who could come. I didn't let men in. I freaked out the first time men ever showed up to one of my things. Like full-blown panic attack, flipping my mind because I couldn't handle not knowing what people were going to think about me. Like I couldn't handle if I didn't know you, you showing up. Because I cared so much what you thought about me. So if somebody got up early and left an event, oh my gosh. Like, I would feel a freak out in the middle of it. Like, so insecure of somebody not liking me. Like, caring so much what people thought. Instead of caring what me and him are doing. What I'm here to do. I'm here to be approved by him. I am approved. I'm walking in alignment with him. Why am I so worried about what people would think? Like, if you realize, if we all just expose the need of being liked 
I mean, come on. Like, it's in all of us of just being approved, being like, you're, you're good because that makes us feel better. Just the idolatry that comes in the heart of the, like, expectation of how people look at us. And if one person does something that would make us feel rejected, especially as women, our physical appearance or something like that, the spiral that takes off in the mind, like what happens to us just because of the lack of approval. If we even understand that that is something that can actually be removed, not to mean that you're like obnoxious and you go around punching everybody, not worried about getting punched, punched back and like just be a jerk and like be okay with being a jerk. That's not the power I'm talking about. I'm talking in an alignment in the spirit where all your value, all your power comes from the approval of Jesus. Like it's a complete shift and a complete removal of the sin nature that can come up on the inside of us that literally hinder us from walking in this life that Jesus talk, that God talks about, but or, uh, Paul. But here's the thing: it's death to life. This is why I'm saying it's death to life. Too many times we think just because we accepted Jesus into our heart, we walk in this, we walk in expectations, and we see the anointing on somebody or see like God moving in a certain way. You know, do you ever wonder the death that came from releasing the anointing, the pain, the trauma, the hurt? From walking in death to life? I'm sorry, but I absolutely believe, like the Apostles Paul, he gave up everything. There was a death to life. There was a complete, like, letting go and crushing. But you're not going to want to ever live that life if you don't believe God loves you. Like, if you don't even believe that he fully, everything in him has chosen us. He's waiting for us to choose him. And it's like too much mediocre, patty-caked stuff. That we're just thinking that opening our scripture and God fixing this and fixing that and blessing our life and it going here and going there. When the power, the power is in the death to life, the shift of the mind. And so God is like, I truly believe there's so many people who are entering in, man, they've had a crushing their entire lives. They've had a crushing in a season, especially people in ministry that are called to ministry or called to leadership. There is this crushing of sabotage from the devil that's been going on. Especially, um, I believe I've seen it in people's lives longer than a year, but in some people's lives, it's a few years. It's been going on for a long time. I've been going through it since I was freaking born. So I'm like, everybody has this thing that I'm seeing. It's coming against them, this crushing, this pushback, this almost a sabotage happening. And people, there, there's a sifting going on. There's a sifting of what we really want as the body of Christ, if that's who we say we are. Who's the church saying that they are now? Like, how, how sold out are we? Because when the sifting starts happening, man, that's the time you find out who really, really chooses to know God. Like, who really wants to know him? It's when his love prevails. It's when you find out his true nature, the craziest thing, that how fear of man and rejection got, got shifted out of my life through pure pain and triggers. That's crazy. Like, I literally came out the other end on fire and more confident than I've ever been and more, like, don't give a crap what people think about me anymore. Like, I don't need the numbers. I don't need the money. I don't need to, like, have the approval. And yet, I went through a lot of rejection. That's the thing. I'm like, when the shift of mind, the wisdom of God hits your mind that you realize that the opposite of what you would expect to make you feel better is actually the suffering that brings the life. It's a shift of how you walk through anything in your life. A complete change of your mind. It will absolutely shift you to power in every pain and hurt. It's not a message that 
Like, I think too many people, they think, oh, but I, you know, I don't want to hear the suffering. Let's just talk about how God will bless me and prosperity and do this and do that. This is the prosperity. This is the power. This is the blessing. It's when you see everything absolutely different because God is always on the move to produce life. Always. But life comes from death because you've got other things alive. They're aligned with the sin nature and not with the spirit of God. Um... Do not let, so I'm at 12 now. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to the sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves complete to God, for you are dead, but you were dead, but now you have life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right in the glory of God. Sin is... No longer your master. This was the text I was talking about. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now, later, later on, he says this. He says, don't you realize that you become the slave to whatever you choose to obey? If we even understood the concept that you've chosen, you can choose to become slave to anything that you choose to obey. Do you understand any mindset above the knowledge of Christ? You choose to become a slave under the value of that mindset. What I absolutely believe, the number one open door is fear. Now, what it, I, who knows that what a first, first Timothy, Timothy, is it one verse seven or something? We do not have a spirit of fear. Okay, here's the thing. Every single thing that I could see that get birthed, birthed in resistance, these things that come up are going to be the opposite of faith. Why? You have been made in the new creation as a faith creation, meaning you are aligning and believe, choosing to believe a God that is unseen. He's unseen, but man, you can feel him. Man, he is tangible. Man, his presence is real. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people, their heart, mind, will, and emotions have not been crushed enough to choose to be open to that power. Hasn't been crushed enough. So God sits over here in that, in that relationship. He sits here, and you walk into that room with him when you choose to walk in, meaning he is in pure residence in the presence all the time. It's not a 30-minute thing. It is a constant togetherness. I don't need my 30 minutes in the morning. I can talk. I'm like, you enter. Here's the thing. I had a resistance on me that turned me my mind into, into turmoil for like, years even doing ministry and it took me probably 30 minutes or to an hour to enter into the presence when trying to get with God praying just to quiet my mind what happened was when I went through something that uprooted everything that was triggers in my mind there is no divide in the presence with him meaning there's it's always there I don't have to take work to enter into it I absolutely believe that is when the shift of death produces life that the soul and the heart align with this power. The soul and the heart, they align with the truth of the word of God. That he becomes so alive in your nature. That's what you breathe. You breathe that nature. It is what it is to where walking in the spirit is just a knowing. Meaning, it's like you go here, the Holy Spirit, it's a knowing. It shifts from the need of I got to go and fast for a week to find out if this job's for me. There's no longer the need because you don't have to fast to break through your soul anymore. People, what's the purpose of fasting? It's to, it's to break down your soul. That it, is it, it to break it, crush it, kill the flesh nature, 
in order to subdue it, in order to open up and hear God clearly. That's why people, that's why people fast. There's not a need for that when you don't have something up against you. Now, what takes breaking down what's up against you? A hammer. Finding out what's there. Finding out what are the things that are in the inside of you that don't fully come down because you don't trust God to that level and you have a spirit of fear. You don't have power. You don't have a sound mind. Yet this is truth. I'm like, you, you, you know, being taught, like going to a charismatic Bible school and this is a, the stuff that they preached every day. And I was like, yeah, no, I have probably weed like on my pocket, pack of cigarettes. Like I need to leave to go smoke a cigarette. Like any of the things that they taught were never truth to me because I always had my vices. That always had more power. I couldn't get aligned to get have God have that much power in my life to where it was easy and the mind wasn't always in torment. There was a constant fear to a full revelation of God because of what I lost in my life. Every single person has endured something in their life that has resulted in a wall, a giant, that will produce this from the full entering into the spirit where you walk in the spirit, where you are death to life, where you actually experience being dead and being raised to life. It is not just baptism. That is a representation of the death. It's a representation of this nature in us becoming dead. Now, if we're only always preached that the spirit of God's power on you, you're a new creation, you're this, this, and this, but you don't understand you got to experience death in order to all of a sudden override and have master over any sin nature in you. Meaning when it comes back up, it no longer will carry power. It no longer will touch you. I mean, that's a level of walking with God that, man, I don't know. It's, it's like you got to be ready to, to go after. you got to be ready for crushing. And I absolutely believe that what's happening in the church is, is, the church is God. God is in, in the spirit. There's revival being re released, and there's a sifting that's going on. And the spirit of God is moving in. And there's going to be where there is going to be a sifting between who chooses him to that level and who falls away. That they can't go that far. They just can't give their lives to that level. They will make decisions based on their desires, their will, that makes them feel good in the moment. Because that's really what ends up taking people off the path of God. It is getting something that's not okay with you, rewiring you, needing you to look to get something better and pleasurable, and will shift you because you don't fully trust God in a crushing Many people will make a decision that shifts them away from the call of God on their life because of it. And I absolutely believe that what is happening is that the Spirit of God is releasing in this time where there is a sifting going on in the church and in people and in ministries where there's this choice that's going to be made. And it's going to be, where do you go with it? And so a lot of people coming in and enduring a crushing, enduring some of the hardest times of their life, it's because they're going, and he's, and he's taking them to like higher levels. And, um, and, I, and I absolutely believe that this, this message was specifically for people that this is supposed to be released on them. There's been a sabotage happening to people, um, uh, like a demonic sabotage because of the sifting that's been going on. And so because that this is coming in resistance in the spirit realm, the enemy sees what, what's happening. That this crushing, these things that people are enduring in the church that's happening is going to release such a crazy power. That's coming like a revival that hasn't been seen in, in I, I don't know, ever. And because of that, that's happening and this choice that's getting 
to be made with the power that's going to be released, there's a sabotage on it. And so the demonic has been hitting people um, pretty heavy. And so I'm just, when I'm done, I'm going to pray over everyone because I just believe God brought the people here that are supposed to be that. So, okay, I'm going to close this out. So, uh, verse 17, thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching. Now that you're free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Now, this is the promise. Like, this is the thing that gets released. Like, but who's the, who, who makes the choice to go wholeheartedly? Like, that is really where what's getting dished in the spirit. Like, who chooses to follow him wholeheartedly? When there's a divide, when there's a quickening, a shaking, a crushing, who chooses the wholeheartedly path? Because of the power on the other side, the only reason that I can go off on this now in my life is because now I'm seeing crazy power that got released on my life through this season that was releasing anything that ever mastered my mind, anything that ever had a master over me, the release that death will look differently if I ever endure it again, rejection will look differently if I ever see it again. You know, you can't be rejected by somebody who doesn't own you. Like that was the biggest thing God kept saying to me in my life. Your church doesn't own you. There's not one person that owns you. Even if you're married, they don't own you. I purchased you. You can't be rejected. That actually can become revelation. It can become revelation through what? Rejection. Because then it has no master over you. You gain power over it. Like you walk through it. Let him. He will shift it in your heart. He'll flip it in your heart. It isn't something that you have to do yourself. That's what I'm trying. Let me explain. If you enter into something painful, into it, there is a revelation that can flip in your heart that will shift your mind to master the sin of what would originally have triggered you in that experience. When that actually happens and you realize, man, I walked through this, this, and this. I now master this, this, and this. It no longer has power over me. No matter what I walk into, I could get fired. I could get cheated on. I could lose a, a husband, a wife. I could lose a job. It no longer masters me because it carries no power. I become dead unto life where the only power is resurrection life of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation in the mind that will shift the way you look at anything. But it comes through a crushing. And it comes through death. And it comes through the choice of choosing God wholeheartedly. It comes through the choice of choosing Jesus wholeheartedly. And I absolutely believe that this is what the Holy Spirit is leading into. People are getting shifted into. And I know that there's been sabotages on people. I know that there's been, and I'll pray into it when, and when we turn off, um, and they shut down the camera and stuff, um, to pray into specifically some of that stuff and just pray over this room um, for, for specifically what people have been enduring in, in this, like, pushback on people's lives and a crushing and pray into the shift of what life that there would be instant revelation through any painful situation the life that it's to produce in the spirit and it birthed life today it birthed new eyes today it birthed peace today like a shift to where you walk out of here with power you walk out of here seeing things differently you walk out of here with a zeal of wanting to know him more because he is for our good. He's for our good. Every painful situation is to release good in our lives. No matter what it is. There's a power of the goodness of God through every single pain that we walk in and what we experience. So I'm going to pray. Blake, you can shut off the camera too. 
I don't need myself on camera praying, dear Jesus. 